Welcome to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast with Julie Williams and VoiceOver Insider Editor Gary McFadden. I'm so glad you tuned in to our VoiceOver Insider Podcasts, where we bring VoiceOver Insider information directly to you. You can sign up to be notified every time we've got a new free podcast or other insider information regarding voiceovers at voiceoverinsider.com. I'm Julie Williams. And our guest today is Bob Sauer, voice talent extraordinaire, who you've heard on uh, FedEx and Kodak, iOmega, the San Francisco Giants. What a good time to be a Giants voice. BGEA, HP, many, 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 many others. In fact, this man is so amazing that, um, that talent come to him for information on how to build their businesses. Welcome, Bob Sauer. Well, hello, Julie, and thank you very much for having me. So the, the thing that I've talked about with a lot of people is something that I originally got the title and some of the core ideas from Nancy Wolfson, who's been my coach since 2007. Uh And um, in an email that she sent to me a few years ago, she mentioned this idea of inviting the avalanche. It was in the context of a a mutual friend of ours who had uh, booked herself so much work that she wasn't sure whether she was going to be able to get it all done by the deadlines. Uh And Nancy wrote back and said, well, I think you should just invite the avalanche and figure out how to make it work from there. So that was sort of where it leaped off for me because I had been thinking for a long time about what are some key things that have made a difference for me as I've worked on building my business. And this idea of inviting the avalanche is kind of the core of what it is that's helped me to grow. Uh So the first thing to think about is that when an avalanche falls on you, it's not fun. So (laughs) recognize that just because you have a whole bunch of work does not mean that you're just going to be, you know, sitting around, uh, you know, noshing on a bowl of cherries all day long. It's going to be hard work and it's not going to be fun. But as you figure out ways to dig yourself out from whatever sort of avalanche it is that falls on you, and most of the time, if it's going right, it'll be self-created to some extent, um, that's where it goes from being both fun and work at kind of the same time. Um, Another thing that's a core element is that, I don't know about you, I'm certainly in business to make money, but I don't do voiceovers specifically as the end in itself being to make money. Mm -hmm. In other words, for me, the way I would put it, and I got this from a book I read a few years ago, is that it's not about making money, it's about making dreams come true. For other people primarily, and of course for ourselves to some extent as well. Now, the guy who's hiring me to do a e-learning narration about how to lay asphalt pavement is probably not thinking about it in terms of a dream come true. But the reality is he's got a job, a business that he's built up doing e-learning projects for the paving industry. And it is a dream come true for him to some extent because it's the business that he's wanted to build. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing a voiceover for him, I am helping him make his dreams come true. And then focus not on my gain, but rather on the gain of the client. In other words, do whatever is necessary. Most of this is real basic stuff, but you know, I'm trying to capsulize it into these are the things that I sort of focus on. Right. It's not about me. It's not about my voice. I mean, a lot of times people hire me because of the way I sound, because that's what they want. 
But at the end of the day, it's not really my voice that's getting the job. It's my ability to deliver the copy in a way that sounds right to them. And and really, it's about their story, their copy, their message that they want to deliver. And it's not about me. It's not about the way I shape the words or any of those kinds of things. At the end of the day, it's about what they want. I vividly remember back when I was first starting out in voiceovers in the early 80s, um, sitting in a studio with a guy and I had pronounced a word the way I knew from the dictionary that it was to be correctly pronounced. And he ha stopped me and he said, no, I want you to say it a different way. And he told me what he wanted. And um, I said, well, you know, the way that I said it is the preferred method, in, uh, the preferred pronunciation in the dictionary. And he said, I know, but I'm writing the check. So do it my way. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, that's the job to make the client happy, to make them um, glad that they have hired us and um, that they are getting exactly what it is that they want. Now, um, persistence is another important element. But what most people don't tell you is that it isn't just about being persistent, it's about being persistent in the right way. In other words, if you are persistently pursuing something for which you are either unsuited or ill-trained or not at all trained, your persistence can actually create a barrier to you ever getting there. You know, for example, movie trailers are kind of the, the glamour part of our voiceover world. And if you go move out to Hollywood and start hammering on the doors of the people who hire movie trailer voices and you are not trained and you're not prepared and you don't have the kind of demos you need to have, you will remove yourself from the competition to become a voiceover talent and being more persistent will only raise the barrier higher for you. Right. So it's important to be smart about the ways in which we're persistent. And the most important thing is to be persistent in growing better. That's, I mentioned that I've studied with Nancy Wolfson since 2007. Although I've had some gaps of months or even a year or so where I haven't studied with her, I always come back. Why? Because she helps me be better. Mm -hmm. And I know this objectively to be true by the way I watch my income grow each time that I study with her and my booking rate and so forth. So the fact that I'm able to learn those things from her and the other coach that I study with most of the time is Maurice Tobias. And between the two of them, I get a, an incredibly valuable, full-orbed understanding of how to improve myself, grow sharper, keep my tools sharp and ready to go. So that's where the persistence really comes in. Yes, it's important to be persistent in pursuing work and not just be lazy and sit around eating bonbons all day. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the most important thing to be persistent about is getting better. Okay, what you're saying is to develop the product that you have to sell. Exactly. Continuing with professional development and market it smart rather than too heavy. I mean, a too heavy yeah. can be okay if you do it smart, but if you just do it heavy but don't worry about being smart, you might be basically counterproductive. That's, I'll give you a, an example. I do a fair number of audiobooks, and there's a convention every year, usually in New York City, it's a one-day-long event called APAC, or the Audio Publishers Association Convention. 
Now, I've been to the last few of them, and one of the things that I've observed over and over again is people who go to the event who are relatively new to being narrators, and they're really anxious to get uh, their work. Maybe they've done a few books on ACX or whatever, but uh, they don't have a lot of experience yet, or they don't have a lot of professional contacts. Mm -hmm. And I see them go around the convention, and every time they spot somebody who's a producer or who works for a publishing company, they're in their face giving them a business card and uh, asking them, how can I get on your roster of talent? Mm -hmm. Now, reality, if you never ask, it's unlikely that you're going to be invited to be on the roster of, of uh, a publishing company. But the place and the time and the way to do it is not to get in somebody's face and to shove your stuff in their face. I even remember seeing uh, two years ago a guy walking around who had CDs of his demos with him at that convention. Now, whether somebody wants to get a CD or not is sort of immaterial, but nobody wants to go home from a convention with a bunch of extra stuff they have to chart, you know, uh, carry home in their in their luggage on the plane. So that's probably not the best way to go about it. So that kind of heavy handed pushing yourself on other people is almost certainly not going to work most of the time. I think it's much smarter to find out what somebody wants get their business card and follow up with them afterward if you're at a convention or some kind of an event rather than the other way around. Because if you give them your card, it's up to them to get back to you. But if you get their card and then you follow up politely and making sure that you investigate the ways that they want to be contacted. For example, in the audiobook world, every publisher has on their website, if you want to be one of our narrators, here are the steps you need to do. They give you the addresses, the phone numbers, whatever it is, and this is the way you need to go about it. If you don't follow their rules, chances that you're going to be heard are extremely low, if at all. Mm -hmm. So that's just an example. Another thing that I talk about a lot is what I call, I got this from Roy Williams, the Wizard of Ads guy in Austin, Texas. The power, the exponential power of the ELBs, the magical little elbs, exponential little bits. In other words, no matter what, every single day, don't go to bed until you've done something to advance your business. It doesn't matter how small it is. It might be sending out a single postcard. It might be sending an email or checking somebody's website, like an audiobook. Go to a publisher's website and see what the submission details are. Whatever it is, every single day, do something. And over the course of a year or two, you will be astonished at the cumulative power of these little bits. If you let huge chunks of time go by and you don't do anything, though, you're You've lost all that momentum that you've created. And doing that, doing something, doing something every single day is incredibly powerful. There isn't just one right way to become successful in voiceover. In fact, there are probably more ways to be successful in voiceover than there are people doing voiceovers. Because mm -hmm. some people have found success and then they found success again a second or third or even 20th time. And then... One of my key things that I really feel strongly about is to love your clients. A number of years ago, I heard somebody talk about the difference between a customer and a client. A customer is somebody who buys something from you. A client is somebody you take care of. Mm. Now, to me, I don't have any customers. I only have clients. Now, they may look at me as if I treat them as a customer, you know, from their perspective. In other words, I can't control how they look at me. But for me, I look at them as clients, as people that I care for and that I provide for 
and do everything I can to meet their needs, even if it's something that doesn't have to do with voiceover. Um, a number of years ago, somebody needed to get flowers uh, delivered to somebody who was in the hospital, and I just happened to be in a position where I could take care of that, so I did. I mean, there was nothing voiceover involved at all. It was just doing a kindness for somebody. But it also made a memorable impression on that person. Now, I wasn't doing it primarily to make the impression. I was doing it to be helpful. And I think that that's the way. So I talk about it as loving your clients. You can't control how they look at you, but you can control how you look at your clients. And whether it's somebody who's slow to pay or who gives you really difficult assignments or who's very tough on the phone when they're directing you or whatever it is, if you maintain an attitude of, I love this person like they're my my spouse or my best friend, and you maintain that attitude, it's going to tremendously influence the way you treat them and most likely the way they treat you. And when you love people and you're not afraid to express it from time to time in tangible ways by sending a thank you gift or a handwritten note or whatever it is, um, you build a relationship with people. And at the end of the day, that's the goose that lays the golden eggs. And you know this, Julie, at least as well as I do, that clients who hire you again and again and again, that's the key to being successful in the long run. Right. If you have to constantly search for new clients all the time, auditioning and, you know, hoping and dreaming and throwing darts against the wall or whatever it is, prospecting, cold calling, whatever it is. I'm not arguing against any of those things. I'm simply saying at the end of the day, the most valuable clients you have are the ones you have. And, you know, and on doing those, everything. Days, uh, those days when you're really, really tired or you're just like, I don't feel well or I just need to take a break. Those are days where you don't have to get out and market yourself. And the repeat clients are the ones that keep you there. They pay the mortgage. They're the ones yep. that that keep coming on. And I interrupted yep. you to say that. I no, 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 that's OK. And uh, that's why I call them the goose that laid the golden eggs, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, when you have a bunch of clients who hire you again and again, it means, yes, you can continue to grow your business, but at least you know that you're going to be able to pay your mortgage and put food on the table and all of those other things that we need to do. So um, another thing to think about is what would happen if your business doubled? Now, most of us would immediately say, well, that would be really cool. But then think about how much busier you would be. Would you be able to get it all done? And this comes back ultimately to this idea of inviting the avalanche. In general, when somebody calls me up and they have a job for me, no matter how busy I am, I do not say no. Mm -hmm. A year and a half, no, two years ago right now, as we're recording this interview, I was doing 17 audiobooks in a stretch of 11 weeks. Ooh. And we got them all done. In fact, I think only one was delivered on time. The rest were all delivered ahead of schedule. Wow. It required an enormous amount of work, needless to say, over those several weeks. But the way I did it was when people said, can you do one more? I would say yes. And then I would figure out, okay, who do I know? And so at the time, I had my oldest son working for me editing full-time, mm -hmm. my daughter working for me editing and proofing full-time and doing some directing, my wife helping with directing, 
Um, I had another friend who could help with editing because he happened to be in a spot where he didn't have a huge amount of stuff going on with his voiceover business. So he was happy for the extra work doing some editing. Mm -hmm. Another friend who was able to help with directing pretty much when I'm working on an audiobook, I always hire somebody to direct me so that I've got two sets of eyes and two brains working on the text at the same time. Mm -hmm. Cuts down on the uh, pickups tremendously when you do it that way. And so I just kept adding people to my crew so that we were able to get everything done. Now, there's one thing that I could only only I could do, and that was the actual narrating. So I by the by the way, by the time I got to the end of that batch of weeks, my voice, although it still sounded like me, I do remember doing a session where one of the guys said, you know, your voice sounds a little thinner today than it usually does. <laughs> I told him how many audiobooks I'd been working on for the previous 10 or 11 weeks, whatever it was at that point. And he said, holy cow, I can't believe you're still alive. Yeah, that's crazy. But the point is, keep saying yes, and then figure out how you can accomplish what needs to be done. Do concentrate on the stuff that only you can do, the voicing work. Don't try to do all the editing and proofing and whatever else has to be done. There are other people who can you can find who are competent and professional and will do excellent work for you. And... Here's the really cool thing. When you're done, if you've been able to do more work than you would otherwise have been, even though you're paying part of it to somebody else, you're still making more money. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it's a it's a way to grow your business that also benefits other people. So to me, that's a win-win-win because my son, my daughter, my friends, other people that I know uh, and that I can trust, they all get better at their business or they all get more business. And I do, too. And my clients are all happy because I turned all the work in. Uh, by the way, the book that I won the Audio Award for was one of those 17 books that I narrated <laughs> during that time. So hopefully, at least in one case, the level of performance didn't suffer, even though we were working on an enormous amount of stuff at one time. You know, after I do one book, I just want to take, I say, all right, I'm never going to do another book again. And I, <laughs> I take a little time off. And then, of course, there's like, well, I mean, this one is different because yeah. whatever reason, I like the topic or, you know, wow, this could be a great one, even though I'm never going to do another book again. It's just, it's so much work doing the books. But, you know, you're right. If I hadn't delegated the editing for most of the books that I've done, um, you just, you can't do it all. In fact, I do right. that same thing for uh, e-learning and I have someone sitting behind me going through the script, just like you're talking about uh, minimizing pickups and then having someone else edit it. It's really the way to leverage your time and leverage your right. income. And realize that there are some things only you can do, right. right? You have to be the voice if they're hiring you. But anybody who's professional and competent can help with the other areas. You know, you build up relationships of trust, not only with your clients, but with the people that do the editing for you and the proofing and the other things, the directing. So I have a few people that I know will do an excellent job. They're meticulous with editing and so, uh, uh, with directing. So, for example, my mom is now one of my directors on e-learning projects, mm -hmm. and she does a great job. I most of the time have zero pickups on my e-learning projects. Because my mom is so meticulous. She was a bookkeeper and an accountant with uh, a hospital for many years in, in the Twin Cities where I grew up in Minnesota. And um, so we connect on Skype just like you and I are right now, Julie. And, um, and then we, you know, she directs me, reads along with the script and does a great job. 
my wife also is very meticulous and very good at that sort of thing. I have, uh, and my daughter is excellent. So having a team of people who you can trust to be able, and then, you know, as, as the business grows and as the avalanche becomes larger, you got to expand the team. So constantly keeping your eyes and ears open for people that you can trust to help you with the things that you need help with, Mm -hmm. um, so that you can do what only you can do. Those are some of the things that I think are just critically important. And at the end of the day, it allows you to keep saying yes to the work when it arrives. And the more that you deliver work and deliver it at a high quality and deliver it on time or ahead of time, the more your work's going to grow because people learn that they can trust you to do the work they need and to do it with excellence. And of course, they're going to hire you again. So again, that comes back to the repeat client business, which, as I said before, is the goose that laid the golden eggs. And it only makes sense to be able to delegate, because if you think of an editor that costs you 30 or $35 an hour, and you think of what, you wouldn't accept the voiceover job that only paid you 30 to $35 an hour. So you think about what you can make in that time, that even if you're not so booked, what is the value of you continuing to market yourself because your time is more valuable? As yep. opposed to working a thirty to thirty-five dollar an hour job. Yep, absolutely. Do you have um, Bob? We're about out of time, but do you have a mission statement? Not really. I mean, you know, my my goal is, and this is sort of a pun on my name because my last name is Sour. My goal is to leave a sweet taste in the mouth of every person <laughs> that I work with. That's cute. Okay, we've been talking to Bob Sauer. Uh, Bob, do you have any final comments? So maybe something I didn't ask. Well, the last thing I would say is don't, even though I always say yes when people come to me with work, that of course is contingent upon is it a reasonable amount of money? In other words, if somebody wants me to do an audiobook for $100, the answer is no. And that comes back to, I think it's also important to have the courage to say no when it's not right for you. Now, for example, you said you don't enjoy to some extent anyway doing audiobooks. So at some point, if you get busy enough with other things, your answer is going to be no until they raise the rate to such a level that you have to say yes. That's exactly And, right. you know, so that, but that's what happens when you have the power to say no to something that's not right. If they really want you, and maybe this is my concluding comment, people talk a lot about how much competition there is in voiceover. And my position is there is no competition in voiceover. You are the world's exclusive source of voiceovers by Julie Williams. I'm the world's exclusive source of voiceovers by Bob Sauer. If somebody wants to hire me, there is only one source for that. And some people might be able to do an imitation of my voice, but they can't provide my life experience, my insights, my perspectives. Mm -hmm. So there really is no competition in voiceover as long as what you're doing is building clients with relationships with clients who want to work with you. That's exactly what I tell my students. Mm-hmm. There's no competition. Doesn't matter if 500 people audition against you. Correct. If they no want you, they want you, and uh-huh. that's and you're the only source for that. We really appreciate you uh, giving us your time because we've just taken 20 minutes out of your day when I know that you've got a stack of work waiting for you. So uh, we hope that you have a, a very blessed day, and thank you so much for giving of yourself to us. You're welcome. Thank you. And now the McFadden Minute. Hi, this is Gary McFadden. Last time I was talking about dealing with mouth noise, and I mentioned a strange yet effective item called the neti pot. The second weapon is a quick spray of alcohol. Nope, I'm not mispronouncing that. 
It's Alkalol, A-L-K-A-L-O-L. Yeah, I use the other stuff too, but not for voiceover and not through a spray bottle. I get my Alkalol at the Safeway Pharmacy. For some reason, it's not stocked on the shelves, but it always seems to be available. It's apparently been around since 1896 and is manufactured by the Alkalol Company in Boston. I use it diluted one part alcohol to one part water. It doesn't taste particularly good, but it sure helps cut out my mouth noise and throat noise. So would drinking less half and half in my coffee, I suspect, but what's the point of going on without coffee? Speaking of spray bottles, my third and final method for quieting mouth noise I learned from Pat Fraley, a small spray bottle with room temperature water. It turns out that mouth noise is often caused by parts of the mouth and tongue being too dry, not too wet, as I initially thought. A quick spray of water stops parts of the mouth from clicking together, and I get a quieter read. At the VoiceOver Insider website, I'm going to post an article by Bryce Weatherall about mouth noise. I'll open it up for comments, so if you've got something you've found effective for battling mouth noise, just let us know. Oops, my minute's up. You've been listening to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast with Julie Williams. Be sure to join us next week for more VoiceOver Insider information and another edition of the McFadden Minute.